Welcome to Holistic Sex Ed Radio, where we are changing the way parents talk to their kids about sex, relationships, and how to stay safe in our rapidly changing world. You are your kid's best source of information and primary example. In these thought-provoking conversations, Robin and her guests seek to improve your relationship skills, expand your knowledge, and give you the tools to help your kids make the most out of their lives. Now, here's your host, Robin LaCrosse. Welcome to another episode of Holistic Sex Ed Radio. I'm your host, Robin LaCrosse, and I'm so glad that you're here today because we are going to be talking about how to talk to your kids about sex, boundaries, and other topics that, as you know, I'm very passionate about. I also help parents talk to their kids about sex, so this should be a really fascinating conversation. I can't wait. So let me introduce to you Anya Maness. She is an educator and parent coach specializing in helping parents talk with their kids about sex and relationships. As a high school teacher for over a decade, she became intimately aware of teen struggles and how our current sex ed programs and parenting culture fail to give kids the skills they need to navigate adolescence safely. Anya hosts the annual Talking to Kids About Sex interview series and publicly speaks at schools, parent groups, conferences, and private events. Anya coaches parents privately and in groups, helping them build the skills around feeling and defending boundaries, articulating sexual values, answering children's questions, and becoming critical thinkers about sex in the media. Hi, Anya. I'm so glad that you're here. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, Robin. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, so you also, like myself, have a passion for talking to parents, to helping parents to talk to their kids about sex. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got started in that? Oh, my. Well, I grew up in a family that didn't have these conversations, and I'm sure that was typical. At the same time, there was sexual abuse happening in my family. And so the story there is that there was a family member of mine who would go over to the neighbor's house and the neighbor boy was, a you know, five, six years older and it wasn't safe play. The older boy, you know, was sexually abusing the younger boy, but nobody knew that that was happening. There was a behavior shift in the younger boy and his parents thought it had to do with his schools. They switched his schools. That didn't solve the problem. And so he continued to act out and he kind of got labeled a troubled child and uh, years gone by. And when that boy in my family got a little bit older and, you know, got to be a preteen, he got to be sexually curious and he was interested in doing things that his peers were not interested in doing. You know, they were ready to hold hands and such, and he wanted to experiment with other things, and so he did what had been done to him. He found younger, less powerful children to experiment with. And that was me and my best friend and another family member. And my best friend was the one who told, and then suddenly it was all out. And I was eight years old and taken to the police station and had to be interviewed by the lieutenant and examined by the nurses. The social worker came to my school, right? Like the big thing blew up. And my parents didn't know how to handle it. So one parent was really sort of laissez-faire. Anything kids do together is child's play. And the other parent had a PhD in psychology and wanted everybody in therapy forever. Mm -hmm. So my little kid understanding of sex was that it's this scary thing. 
that really freaks the adults out and that can tear apart your family because my parents had such different values that incident as well as other things I'm sure led to their divorce by the time I was 10. So that was kind of my sexual foundation, which is not what I would wish upon anyone, right? And I want all of these parents and all of these kids to, to do it differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, but time goes on, and I end up, you know, going to high school and college, and school is my safe space because family's so crazy, right? In one person's custody, I'm shielded, but in the other, I'm not. So I'm still dealing with that boy in my family, and he's still pushing boundaries. And eventually, I major in biology and teach high school. And when I'm teaching high school science, in biology, we get to the human reproductive system. And so I'm like, let's do this. Let's do sex ed, you know, put out the question box and see where the kids are at and help them out because I want to be that safe space. Mm-hmm. I want to create that school environment that I so benefited from. So I got good at answering their questions and, you know, talking about the porn vi- porn video that went viral or about, you know, what were the current laws around abortion or whatever it was. And that was beyond the scope of biology. And so I was set to talk to them about sexually transmitted infections because that's microbiome or to talk to them about the human reproductive system or even contraception, right? Because those are all the ways of keeping sperm from meeting egg still Mm -hmm. feels like biology. But the things I couldn't do in science class were things like What's a healthy relationship? Or how do you feel and defend your boundaries? What's the difference between pornography sex and real sex, right? Mm -hmm. And so there were definitely places where I was serving them and other places where I was not. And what I found was that despite my efforts, I still had kids dropping out pregnant. Either they weren't graduating high school or I'd follow up with their classmates and they'd tell me that they hadn't graduated from college. And I was like, geez, you know, this is such a big thing. They don't need to learn chemistry from me, right? Mm -hmm. That's serving them, but they need to know this more. This is more important. And so when I left the classroom and I had my daughter, this was still sticking with me because that last year I had a girl who had been raped and wasn't talking about it and and had tried to commit suicide. So it was just so present that this is the big issue that we need to be working on. And so I started looking around at what could be done what produces the best outcomes, looking into the research. And being a teacher, I thought, okay, I can present this. I can do some webinars or workshops if people want it. So I started putting it out there. And at this point, I have a newsletter, and I've done all these interview series, and I coach families privately and in groups, and I've put together some online courses, all with the goal of helping parents have these open, ongoing conversations with kids, because that is what we find makes the difference. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's such an important conversation to have. And, you know, I've often found, you know, when I talk to parents about this, they start out with saying, oh, you know, I can talk to my kids about sex. And do you run into that too? Sometimes I get parents who tell me um, I have a really like open and communicative relationship with my child. Like we talk about all kinds of things. We're great. And then I dig a little deeper and it's like, no, we haven't talked about that. No, we haven't talked about that. Oh, do we need to? Right. And so I feel like not everyone totally knows where they're at. Mm -hmm. And that's why I put together like a checklist of here are things to talk about and when, so you can kind of assess where you're at. Because I think that there are a lot of things that we think we don't need to discuss 
until we find ourselves in the mess. And then we're like, oh, I should have done that a long time ago. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I've kind of found the same thing. Like once you get into like kind of the nuance of things or like the more complicated things, it's easy to talk about like the mechanical part. But when it comes to like, what is love, you know, talking about relationships and, you know, all these different things or like social media or what are kids into these days? It's like, then their eyes start to glaze over and they're like, oh, oh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's big. And especially because nobody did that with us. Mm -hmm. It's not like I can just think, how did my mom do that? How did my dad do that? And so I may not have a model to work from. So here I am, you know, 41 and trying to figure out healthy boundaries and healthy relationships and, you know, figuring out what that means for me, my husband, my family. And it's not like somebody explained that to me. How am I supposed to explain that to my child? I may not even feel like I have a great handle on that at this point in my life. Right. But wouldn't it be amazing if instead of muddling through each and every generation, we were able to guide each other, you know, where, where the older folks were able to look back and say, okay, here's what I've learned about love and relationships. Here's what you should expect. Here's when you should leave. Here's when you got to stick around you know, there's, there's a lot of nuance to this that just doesn't get talked about a lot. That's so true. And, you know, we're not taught what a healthy relationship looks like. And if our relationship maybe isn't healthy or our parents' relationship wasn't healthy, you know, or, you know, they didn't have a healthy way of relating or whatever the case may be, then that's the role model that we're presenting to our kids as far as what relationships look like. Well, so much of that is unconscious. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not necessarily choosing to reenact the dynamics of, of my family of origin. Mm-hmm. And yet it can happen. Yes. Because when we were so small, we imprinted a lot of those pieces, you know, in terms of how calm you are, how reactive you are, how you react, respond. Do I respond with anger or do I just cry? You know, like a lot of these things were handed down to us. Mm-hmm. And so they're not even our chosen strategies. And yes. so it just sort of happens. It takes a lot of stepping back and reflecting and thinking about, well, how do I assert my boundary? How do I state how I feel in a way that is neutral enough for somebody else to hear that really is honest and advocates for myself um, and is assertive? You know, how, how do I do all of that? Because that might not have been modeled for me at all. Yeah, that's so true. And how would you do something like that? How would I do that? <laughs> yes. Well, I think there's three pieces. So mm-hmm. one of the things I spend a lot of time on with clients and in general is how do we really promote healthy boundaries? How do we do that? How do we teach a consent culture, build a consent culture? Because nobody wants any of this Me Too stuff anymore. Right. We mm-hmm. would like to get over that and, and get on the other side. So in terms of how to express healthy boundaries, I think that there's three components. We need to empathize with the other side. So I need to understand what's going on with you and express that so that you feel seen and heard. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't feel seen and heard, you're going to keep telling me your side. And you may not even be listening to my side. Right. Right. And so I think that's a key component is the empathy piece. If I can start there, then that creates a lot of safety for somebody else to hear me. So maybe I'd say, I really understand that you want to do this interview right now. 
right? I, I see you, I get your side. And then the next piece is for me to explain what's going on with me. So I might say, but I really don't even know what I want to say. I don't feel ready for this, mm -hmm. right? Or I feel like we need to discuss this more because I could go in 10 different directions and I'm not sure what you really want from me. Or I could say, I'm feeling really nervous. Could we take a few deep breaths before we start? Or I could say, I'm actually feeling really mad at you for the thing you did two weeks ago and I don't want that to come at me interview, <laughs> right? So there might be all kinds of things that I'm feeling, but I'm gonna have to acknowledge where you're at first and then be really honest in labeling my feelings Mm -hmm. And then I think I can't just drop it in your lap there. I think there's another piece because if I just drop it in your lap there, you're going to be like, what do I do with this? Oh my God, she's mad at me. Right. <laughs> right? I wasn't ready for that. I don't even want to talk about this. Right. Mm -hmm. So I need to give you a place to go with it. Mm -hmm. And so the last part is being really proactive and saying, well, how about we do this? Here's my suggestion for how we can proceed forward. And maybe my suggestion is let's not do this now. Let's talk in an hour because I need an hour to calm down. Or let's not do this now, let's do it in two weeks. Or, you know, let's do XYZ thing first before mm -hmm. we have this conversation. So I need to have some kind of a suggestion or um, maybe just a commitment to come back to this conversation later. Otherwise, I'm putting the other person in a place where they're wondering what's gonna happen next. And right. they may not have any ideas about what would feel good to me. So I need to say what would feel good to me. Here's right. my suggestion for how we can move forward from here. But I think it's those three things. If we're not empathetic, if we're not honest, and if we don't have that proactive suggestion, right. it falls apart. Yeah, that makes sense. So we are going to take a quick commercial break, and we are going to be right back. Do you find yourself thinking that you're not good enough or that you're not lovable? Do you sometimes feel that there is something wrong with you and that you're hiding something? These are more common thoughts than you would think. It's time to talk about this. Tune in to Where Words Can't Reach, shedding light on our dark side with Dr. Madeline DeLittle, Thursdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Are you looking for life's answers? How about the meaning of true self? Can you really be a better person overnight? Well, good luck with that. Now, if you really want to know more about this insane world and life we lead, tune into Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. You'll learn about how the brain operates under different psychological conditions. Some common sense. Heck, you might just actually learn something. Listen Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. As we age, there are certain situations which we all must face. Care and treatment don't always measure up to what it's supposed to be, and there are many questions that need to be answered. Tune in to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy with hosts Phyllis Amon and Rubina Chaudhry. Seniors deserve to have a more fulfilling life, and we'll bring you the answers that you need to hear to make it happen. Listen Mondays at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Empowerment. If you've been affected by a loved one's death by suicide, there may be so many questions you want answers to, need answers to. It's an epidemic that leaves behind broken hearts, untold stories, and incomplete feelings. 
Join host and attorney Marshall Adler for the program, What My Son's Death by Suicide Taught Me About Life. You'll hear from guest experts as well as those who have lost loved ones who can provide some insight and answers. Listen every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Holistic Sex Ed Radio. Want to go deeper into this conversation? Visit us on the web at HolisticSexEdRadio.com. Now back to Robin LaCrosse. So we're back. So Anya, I wanted to ask you about, I know that you have a lot of conversations with parents, and I bet you have some interesting stories of awkward moments that can, you know, like kids have come in, like come in the bedroom and caught parents having sex or have asked a really awkward question or something like that. And I think it would be helpful for parents to hear like not only like what kind of crazy things kids can come up with or things that happen, but how do you handle those kinds of situations? Oh my, yes. Well, zinger questions are a little bit different than those moments where you're like, oh my God, I can't believe that just happened, right? So, you know, with, with an awkward moment, I think the best thing everyone can do is, is probably ask for a little bit of space mm-hmm. before they digest it all, right? Kid walks in on parents having sex. Man, that happens all the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not even necessarily a bad or traumatic thing. People think maybe it is. But, you know, back in caveman days, we didn't have rooms with doors. And I think kids saw stuff. So I don't think it's necessarily, you know, a terrible thing, but it is something to be talked about afterwards. So certainly there's a repair there where we have to sit down and say, you know, so you walked in that night and what did you see and what did you think? And let me explain. Hopefully they already have some foundation. Otherwise they might be really confused. Um, But mom and dad gets to set the record straight and explain that that was actually a loving thing, a bonding thing, a good thing that two adults will do together. Well, when you're fielding a question, it can be a little different because a question you might not feel like you can put off. Right? Your kid comes up to you and asks some zinger, you know, like, um, what's rimming? And mom and dad might not even know what that is, right? They might have to look that up to figure out what that slang term is. Or maybe they do know what it is, but, you know, kid doesn't know what it is. And so kid doesn't realize what they're asking. And so you're looking around yourself being like, are we really going to have this conversation now? Mm-hmm. And that is totally 100% up to the parent. Mm-hmm. You know, we often choose to delay things until later when we say, hey, this is not the right time or place. I'd love to answer that question. It's a great question. Uh, and we'll come back to it. So you may do that analysis real quick, that the wrong people are with you in the car or that you're in the supermarket or for whatever reason, this is not the right moment to have that conversation. But on the other hand, it might be. In which case, what parents usually are worried about is turning into fire hoses and saying too much. Mm -hmm. Or on the other side, sometimes there are parents who are worried about saying too little 
you know, and, and dodging the question. Mm-hmm. So what's better is if we can investigate a little bit, make sure that we really understand what's going on. So, you know, we congratulate, welcome the question. We say, wow, that's a great question. And, you know, I'm so glad you're coming to me rather than searching the internet. So we can say all of those pieces where we're really affirming that this conversation is happening and then go into, how did you hear about that? What do you think it means? What do you already know about that? So we can, you know, be curious and dig a little bit for the context because, you know, some contexts are just fine and others are real red flags. You know, if it's the teacher at school was talking about such and such, you're like, what? (laughs) What? If it's, you know, my friend saw a video pop up on, you know, the computer or the phone and then was talking about the video and used this word. And it's like, okay, I don't like that, but at least that's more typical. You know, I understand how that could happen, that kids stumble across porn. So we dig for context so that we know what we might need to do beyond just answering this question. And then once we're ready to actually answer it, then I think we need to try to limit ourselves to just two sentences. Make it really concise. So that's the work that parents can do up front. Because if you have a one-year-old or a five-year-old or a 10-year-old, you might still have all your feelings around pornography or masturbation or sex before marriage or whatever it may be. And so you can do this now of trying to make a two-sentence summary. Hey, when this comes up, what am I going to say? What would I be willing to say about oral sex or condoms or whatever? Uh So if we can state in two sentences what it is, like define the term or what it means to us, and be able to give our value around it, uh-huh. in, in just a few sentences, we're not going to overwhelm the child. Uh-huh. We're going to just give them a tidbit, right? right? It needs to be a good experience. And so if we can keep it really succinct and say, you know, oh, condoms are something that men put on their penises, at least usually condoms are for men, there's also the female kind, to prevent their semen from reaching the egg. Do you want to know more about that? you know like make it succinct i hope that now you know about condoms you'll use one every time that you're having sex with someone succinct right Mm -hmm. make it super short and sweet because if we do that it's not overwhelming and then we can do that check-in question do you have any more questions about that did i answer your question do you want to know more about that and if the child isn't overwhelmed then they can engage and say well but what i really want to know is how gay people have sex you know, do gay people use condoms? Or what I really want to know is blah, 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 right? They'll take it in another direction or ask for some clarifying information and repeat, mm-hmm. you know? If it's not the right moment, we'll talk about it later. If it is the right moment, you can ask for more context and be like, oh, what made you worry about gay people? You know, where'd that come from? Mm-hmm. If, uh, you know, you're ready to give your two-sentence answer, go ahead and do that, share your value. And ask them if they want to know any more. And at the end, at the close of that conversation, really congratulate them. Mm -hmm. I am so glad you came to me with that question. You know, because we want it to be positive. So as much as we can do to welcome that conversation at the front and at the end, that'll serve to keep the doors open for future conversations. Absolutely. And it's so important, you know, and like with my clients, we take a period of time to go through and like think about like, okay, here are some of the questions that, you know, may come up, you know, what process it, like, what do you think about this? You know, 
let's unpack your feelings around this. You know, is there emotional charge? If there is, let's look at that. You know, it's like, and basically prepare them mentally for whenever the questions do come up or the opportunity arise where, you know, maybe they can share a bit of information. Absolutely. Because I find that parents may not have had these conversations with each other and they might actually have very different values. You know, Mm -hmm. one parent might be like porn is all evil. You know, nobody should be ever watching porn. It's misogyny, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And the other parent might be like, "Eh, I enjoy watching porn. And so they may never have had this conversation because Mm -hmm. it's so delicate between the two of them. Mm -hmm. And yet they probably can agree on what they would say to their child. It's really true. So Mm -hmm. although it might be sort of a black hole that they don't want to touch because it's tricky with their relationship, putting it in the context of what would we say to our kid can actually create some common ground Mm -hmm. where it becomes easier to talk about these tricky topics and come to some agreement about how are we going to present this because I don't want to say something that you're later mad at me because I said that Mm -hmm. it wasn't the right value communicated to our child. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's really a great opportunity and practice, really, to like start talking about these things. Because if you can't talk about it with your partner, you know, it's it's not going to be very easy to have that conversation with your kid either. Oh, yeah, it is great to practice with your partner. And so with my clients, I often give practice questions and, you know, worksheets. So here's a list of topics. Go ahead and see if you can come up with your two sentences on each of these topics right? It's not exactly a quiz, but it's more like, hey, if you can do this, you're in pretty good shape. If you were able to do two out of 20, we got some work to do, right? Or if your husband has no trouble doing this and you get choked up on it, then maybe we know who should be the primary person having these conversations, Mm -hmm. right? But we didn't know that before we dug into it. Sure. Yeah. Great exploration for sure. You know, I've had um, parents talked to me like recently a dad um, told me this story. He and his wife were sending some text, uh, sexy text messages back and forth. And their son, I think he was, I don't know, 10 or 12, something like that, happened to catch a glimpse of him. And the son was asked to take the dog to the park for a little while, go for a walk. And when he comes back, he asked dad, did you ask me to leave so you could have sex? And dad's like, Ah, deer in the headlights. So what do you do in a situation like that? (laughs) Yeah, so okay. What I was describing was for general questions. The really personal questions, it kind of falls down. So Mm -hmm. there are definitely personal questions that kids will ask. And they'll say things like, how old were you when you first had sex? Or, you know, mom, have you ever smoked pot? And those are those personal questions where they may have something to do with curiosity around wanting to understand the parent, but a lot of the times they have this curiosity uh, where the child is trying to figure it out for themselves, mm-hmm. where they're wondering, how old should I be mm-hmm. when I have sex, or should I be smoking pot, right? And so sometimes we can just go a, a step deeper and realize they're not actually asking about me, they're asking about themselves. Mm-hmm. Now, the question you brought up is not that. That was the child trying to figure out if the parents were getting rid of him, (laughs) you know? And I think that, you know, the parent gets to decide how they want to approach that. Mm -hmm. So it might be, I'm not sure how I want to answer that question. Let me think about it and get back to you, right? So that would be, this is not the right time and place. I don't Mm -hmm. know what I want to say. Hold on there, right? Mm -hmm. Boundary. It could be something like, what would it mean to you if I said yes? And what would it mean to you if I said no? 
So not making it about me, but making it about ex- exploring the child's feelings. Mm-hmm. That. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a bunch of different options for how you can handle that. I think that a lot of parents would skew towards being honest. And they would say, well, sometimes I do want time alone with mom or dad. And, you know, sometimes I do you know, go ahead and set something up for you, a sleepover or play date or whatever, so that we can have that bonding time. Mm-hmm. But we, we do have to be able to get out some kind of an answer, at least the, I don't know what I want to say yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And do you think that's better to give that answer than just to be like, oh, no, no, we didn't do that. Or, you know, even if it wasn't true. That's fine. You could mm-hmm. say, oh, no, no, we didn't do that. But uh, I guess it depends on, well, whether that's honest, you might have something inside you about being dishonest with your child. And whether you um, you feel like that's a satisfying answer for your child, mm-hmm. right? Because I've had parents who were like, uh, you know, I had sex at 15, but I don't want to tell my 15-year-old that I did. My 15-year-old asked me, how old was I when I lost my virginity? I'm not going to say I was exactly your age. And so there's that honesty piece where they're like, I don't want to lie to them. Right. And at the same time, I really don't want to communicate this piece of my life. Mm-hmm. So what do you do, right? All In right. that case, I'd say, well, you know, help turn it around and say, what would it mean to you if I said that I was 13 the first time I had sex? What would it mean to you if I said I was 20? What would it mean to you if I said this other number and help the child explore their feelings without you committing and saying, mm-hmm. okay, this is the factual, actual what happened in my life because later on we'll be able to have those conversations. Mm-hmm. But that's another way to go is to just say, you know what, I'm not ready to have that conversation with you now, but in 10 or 15 years, I think our relationship will have shifted and I'd be happy to share that story with you. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah. a lot of sexual assaults fall into that category. Absolutely. You know, where we mm-hmm. may not want to share that with our preteen or our teen. We mm-hmm. might want to shield them from those stories or abortion stories. I mean, mm-hmm. gosh, there's a lot of stories we've got inside. Of yeah. Us. Adoption. Yeah. All those kinds of stories for sure. So we're going to take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about boundaries some more. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Do you find yourself thinking that you're not good enough or that you're not lovable? Do you sometimes feel that there is something wrong with you and that you're hiding something? These are more common thoughts than you would think. It's time to talk about this. Tune in to Where Words Can't Reach, Shedding Light on Our Dark Side with Dr. Madeline DeLittle, Thursdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Are you looking for life's answers? How about the meaning of true self? Can you really be a better person overnight? Well, good luck with that. Now, if you really want to know more about this insane world and life we lead, tune into Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. You'll learn about how the brain operates under different psychological conditions. Some common sense. Heck, you might just actually learn something. Listen Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. As we age, there are certain situations which we all must face. Care and treatment don't always measure up to what it's supposed to be. 
and there are many questions that need to be answered. Tune in to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy with hosts Phyllis Amon and Rubina Chaudhry. Seniors deserve to have a more fulfilling life, and we'll bring you the answers that you need to hear to make it happen. Listen Mondays at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Empowerment. If you've been affected by a loved one's death by suicide, there may be so many questions you want answers to, need answers to. It's an epidemic that leaves behind broken hearts, untold stories, and incomplete feelings. Join host and attorney Marshall Adler for the program, What My Son's Death by Suicide Taught Me About Life. You'll hear from guest experts as well as those who have lost loved ones who can provide some insight and answers. Listen every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Holistic Sex Ed Radio. Want to go deeper into this conversation? Visit us on the web at HolisticSexEdRadio.com. Now back to Robin LaCrosse. So we're back, Anya. I would like to talk more about helping kids develop good boundaries because, you know, we started out, you know, you told us your story about sexual abuse and having good boundaries is a really important part to prevent sexual abuse, isn't it? Absolutely. And I think there's a lot that parents can do without involving children or asking children to make judgment calls. So we can do a lot on our end. There's tons that you can do at every age. And then there's also teaching kids to have healthy boundaries, which I think is a huge ongoing process where, you know, we've learned that it's better not to be authoritarian parents, just control their environment. We really want them to be expressive and we want to be empathetic towards them so that they get a hold of their emotions, right? So that they understand what they're feeling and can speak to them and are able to assert their boundaries. Because unfortunately, while passive kids are easier, they're easier in all ways, right? Mm -hmm. So a passive kid is easier for the teacher, easier for the parent and easier for the abuser. And we don't, we don't want to raise passive kids because we don't want them to be at risk like that. So there is a lot that we can do around teaching kids to have strong, healthy boundaries. And that is protective. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So what kinds of things can we do to help teach them how to have boundaries? Oh my, that's a big topic. Um, let's see. I think that one place we can start is with what I was describing earlier. With the little kids, like I have a four-year-old. When she was three, I started teaching her that sequence of being empathetic, stating how you feel, and making a suggestion. And so we call it I heart hand. So seeing through somebody else's eyes, being clear about what's on your heart, how you feel, and then like raising your hand in school, making a suggestion for how we can play it together again. So that would be one way that we could structure it, where when something's going wrong or when someone seems to be trying to communicate a boundary, I could say, hey, do you want to give me an I heart hand? 
And my daughter knows exactly what that is. And, and at preschool, she can do that. Mm-hmm. So that would be one step. Um, giving her better vocabulary around her feelings is another important one. So just talking about feelings, talking about the nuances between different words, we can do that throughout our child's lives. And then there's all the sexual abuse prevention stuff. You know, things like, are we teaching about private parts? What are we saying about Dr. Play? And, you know, what are, what are our choices? What are we doing about leaving kids alone with somebody else? Because of course, sexual abuse is very private. It doesn't mm-hmm. happen in public generally. It happens with solitude, right? There, there has to be a child left alone yep. with isolation. Mm-hmm. And so when we recognize, oh, I'm always making a choice about who to leave my child with, and I'm making that choice to leave my child alone with whomever, right? Whether that's the babysitter or the coach or the next door neighbor, and, and just really taking responsibility for that upon ourselves. Have I really vetted that person enough? You know, have I uh, gone over our rules with them and taught my child these rules, you know, that they should feel comfortable, that if they don't feel comfortable, they need to come and talk to me. Have I read some books with them about child abuse prevention? So, you know, I think that there's actually a ton that we can do to help not only model healthy boundaries, but help our children speak up Hmm. what they're felt most useful or, or most mm-hmm. on target to you? You know, I really love the the I heart hand. I think that's really cool. That's like something that I think, you know, you like you said, you can teach a toddler. And yes, I, well, the littles will do it. I wouldn't say that a teenager is going to do I heart hand. Mm-hmm. Right? Because they will think it's so dorky. Right. But you can still do the pieces, right? It's that mm-hmm. empathize with someone first, share your feelings honestly, and have a suggestion for what would be back in your comfort zone. But right? you're only throwing up a boundary or talking about this because you're uncomfortable with what's happening. Mm-hmm. So you've gotten that signal. Now we need to say what would be more comfortable because the other person doesn't know that. Right. They don't mm-hmm. know where your edges are. You're the only one who knows that. And so sure. you have to share that information. Absolutely. And, you know, and you were talking about, you know, have we vetted a person and a lot of times abusers, like they go out of their way to like insert themselves into a family, like make themselves Mm -hmm. uh, indispensable. And it's hard to, to know, I think, you know, who is genuine and who is, you know, a wolf in chief clothing, basically, you know? Yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's why, you know, you'll find that a lot of sources kind of have a laundry list of what to look out for. What are the red flags? Mm -hmm. And, you know, anybody who wants to spend private time with your child. Yes. That's a red flag. Huge. Why do they want to do that? You know? So I think it really means asking all of those questions. And it's tough because we do need babysitters sometimes. Mm-hmm. We do need people to step in and provide that child care when we need a rest. Yeah, absolutely. And that's totally valid. Mm-hmm. And recognize that we're making a choice. Mm-hmm. So when that babysitter walks in the door, you can point to the body boundaries poster on the wall and say, hey, these are the rules in our home. And so if my child isn't respecting those rules, I'd like you to tell me. Mm -hmm. Right there, I have alerted that babysitter that I'm on top of it, that we talk about this stuff. 
right? right? My child and my family looks like a poor choice to victimize. Mm -hmm. So there are ways that we can be proactive, even though we know that we can't know everything. Yep, that's great. Yeah, and those red flags, I think, is really important to be aware of, too, and and to trust your gut. Totally. There's a big piece about intuition here. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of us who have drowned out our intuition in our desire to be nice. And where our kids are concerned, we just got to be mama bears and papa bears and be fierce. My intuition's screaming at me. This is the direction I want to go. You seem really nice. Your rates are perfect. You look great. And you're not the babysitter for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's important right. to, to tune into that, too. I mean, we're so used to ignoring those gut feelings, that intuition. You know, I think it's important for us to yeah. make a practice to try to tune back into it. Well, I think it's understanding that that's a superpower that we haven't even really labeled. Like there are ways that I'm sensitive to things and I don't even know why I'm sensitive or, or, you know, if it's like factually correct. But if I think of that sensitivity as true information, you know, maybe not factually correct, but it is true that I feel uncomfortable with this babysitter, even if it may not be true that this babysitter is an abuser. So it's still true information that I can take in and use in my decision-making process. And so we need to give it that weight and say, hey, there's, there's some part of me, some antenna that's detecting something. And mm-hmm. this is true information for me to pay attention to and add in with all the other information. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not going to just brush it aside for fear that I'm over emotional or over sensitive or over whatever. I'm going to look at it as my superpower. I actually know something nobody else knows. Mm-hmm. So I can be the one to bring that information up and say, hey, something felt off about that. And then other people can reflect on that and be like, wait, really? Oh, well, wait, maybe, yeah. <laughs> you know, right. other people might be like, and that is kind of off. Because just because I'm sensitive to it doesn't mean it's wrong. Just because other people are insensitive to it doesn't mean it isn't true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so true. That's a good point. So think of it as your superpower is what yes. I'm saying. Yes, it's definitely a superpower. That's totally cool. And before we take our commercial break, I have a question for you, the listener. Are you in the habit of putting other people's needs in front of your own? Do you feel like that you never really have enough time for the things that are most important to you? Does it feel like your dreams are on hold or that it takes forever to achieve a goal? Well, you're not alone. I found myself in this same position. I was in a job that was no longer a happy place. I wanted to work from home and I wanted my own business. There were just things that I wanted in my life that weren't happening. A few years ago, I found myself at a retreat where they asked me to set some goals based on my values. And I found that I couldn't answer those questions because I didn't truly know what I wanted. So I couldn't set goals that were meaningful and actually meant something to me. When I got home, I sat down with my notebook and I started writing questions and thoughts and ideas and gathering information about what I needed to know in order to set meaningful goals for myself. 
Fast forward a few years later, and I've been able to quit my job. I work from home. I have the freedom to work from anywhere. I have the most amazing clients. I've been able to check off some of my bucket list items and find an amazing partner, but most importantly, to make a difference in the lives of young people and women all over the world. Not being someone to keep all this good stuff to myself, I would like to share this tool with you. So if you feel stuck, uninspired, unmotivated, if you're unclear about your next step in one or more areas of your life, if you have realized that you haven't made any progress towards your dreams in years, this virtual VIP retreat is for you. And if you have a teenager in your household, this workbook is an amazing tool for them too. So go on over to my website, holisticsexedradio.com and click on the link for It's Your Life Self-Study Course. And as a bonus, you are going to get the VIP Virtual Weekend. So that is going to be the first weekend of January. And when you sign up now, you are going to save 300 bucks. So I can't wait to hang out with you for the weekend. We're going to get to know each other. We are going to dive deep into all kinds of groovy stuff, and you are going to learn so much about you. It is going to blow your mind. And when we come out of that weekend, you're going to have a clear vision about what you want and how to achieve those goals. It's going to be amazing. So I can't wait. Check out my website, holisticsexedradio.com, and just click on the link for It's Your Life Self-Study Course, and it will take you right over to the page where you can register. All right. Now, stay tuned. We'll be right back after this commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about when is it time to start these conversations. So we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Do you find yourself thinking that you're not good enough or that you're not lovable? Do you sometimes feel that there is something wrong with you and that you're hiding something? These are more common thoughts than you would think. It's time to talk about this. Tune in to Where Words Can't Reach, Shedding Light on Our Dark Side with Dr. Madeline DeLittle, Thursdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Are you looking for life's answers? How about the meaning of true self? Can you really be a better person overnight? Well, good luck with that. Now, if you really want to know more about this insane world and life we lead, tune into Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. You'll learn about how the brain operates under different psychological conditions. Some common sense. Heck, you might just actually learn something. Listen Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. As we age, there are certain situations which we all must face. Care and treatment don't always measure up to what it's supposed to be, and there are many questions that need to be answered. Tune in to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy with hosts Phyllis Amon and Rubina Chaudhry. Seniors deserve to have a more fulfilling life, and we'll bring you the answers that you need to hear to make it happen. Listen Mondays at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Empowerment. If you've been affected by a loved one's death by suicide, there may be so many questions you want answers to, need answers to. It's an epidemic that leaves behind broken hearts, untold stories, and incomplete feelings. 
Join host and attorney Marshall Adler for the program, What My Son's Death by Suicide Taught Me About Life. You'll hear from guest experts as well as those who have lost loved ones who can provide some insight and answers. Listen every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Holistic Sex Ed Radio. Want to go deeper into this conversation? Visit us on the web at HolisticSexEdRadio.com. Now back to Robin LaCrosse. So we're back, and Anya, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about, just to kind of follow up on our last conversation, when is the ideal time to start these conversations with your kids? How, how do you start them? And if you haven't started them yet, like... How can you, like, catch up? <laughs> All right. Well, I think when you're asking me that, you mean explaining sex, explaining conception. Yes. So a lot of the other ones are not conversations people think they're having with their kids that are sex eddy, where it's like, I'm teaching you the names of all your body parts, including your penis, your vulva, your anus, right? So there are things that we can do very, very early on that people don't think are conversations about sex. But in terms of explaining penetration, explaining eggs and sperm and all of those things. Well, I would say the ideal age is five. Let me tell you why, because sometimes people are like, oh my God, five is so young, right? Why would mm-hmm. I do that? They're so innocent, right? right. It's kindergarten. All right. So let me give you all the arguments in favor of five. Um, they're at an age where they're already interested in private parts. So they are totally going to be interested in this story that you're going to tell them about where babies come from. Mm-hmm. Also, um, they're getting at that like curious age where they may want to do sexualized play, you know, doctor play and so on. Mm-hmm. And so we want to explain to them that, you know, what, what they're interested in, in with genitals is not for kids, right? That that's a sacred, safe space just for you right now. We don't share our genitals with other people because that's sex. Here's what sex is, right? So it's going to help with that conversation. Um, the fives just aren't that emotional about it, right? They, they are so innocent that you're going to tell them and they're going to be like, okay, cool. Let's go play Legos. Mm-hmm. Whereas with an older child, they're going to be awkward and ruminate on it. And, you know, you're going to wonder if they have questions that they're not asking, right? The fives are just really buoyant. They're really transparent. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to know exactly how it lands with them. If you wait, I would give you a deadline of age eight, you know, somewhere between five and eight, five being ideal, eight being your deadline, because by the time kids are eight, the other kids know, right? There's someone in their class that knows, there's someone on the playground that knows, and they're talking to one another. By the time they're eight, they're probably getting information from another source. So if you want to be their primary source, the one who gets to them first with the accurate information, it needs to be before eight. Mm-hmm. So, of course, every community is different. If you feel like that doesn't apply to you, I hear you. But as a general rule of thumb, 
Five is the ideal age. Eight, they're going to be, uh, they're going to ruminate more about the conversation. They might have more of a sense that we don't talk about this stuff. You know, they might be less willing to sit down with you to have the conversation. But by five, at five, you're not going to have those kinds of troubles. Yeah. And of course, if you do it earlier, then a five-year-old is now savvy, right? They may tell other kids, right? That's possible. That's a risk. So will your eight-year-old. And at the same time, that's three more years that they know what porn is, that they know that sex is not for kids, right? That's three more years in which we've had conversations and protected them mm-hmm. from some of the adverse childhood experiences they could have. Yes. So it's worth doing it earlier. And in terms of how, I really recommend finding a book that you're comfortable with. Because we don't want to be trying to draw the diagrams ourselves or make the analogies ourselves or scripting it ourselves. Like that is just too much. There are wonderful, wonderful children's books out there. And the Roby Harris series is particularly great. I also love Corey Silverberg as an author. So on my website, there's a books list. You can take a look at what's out there because there's children's literature on this. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes, let's read this book just like we read all the other books. Let's mm-hmm. just sit down. This is a cool topic. We're going to learn about how babies are made. And so now we're having the conversation, right? Mm-hmm. But of course, we need to pay attention to our kids. If they're like sinking into the couch cushions, we need to check in. <laughs> you know, but with a five-year-old, that's unlikely to happen. Right. Like, we don't want to push through their boundaries and make them uncomfortable. We can check in, you know, if they're getting squirrely and say, hey, we don't have to finish this book right now. We'll come back to it tomorrow. You know, it's just doing the work mm-hmm. of finding the book and vetting it. Like you look at it, you read it. Parents, please decide if you like those illustrations, if you like the way that they're phrasing things, if it aligns with your values. Because the author and the publisher and the illustrator have worked really hard and user tested this thing, and it still may not be right for you. Mm-hmm. But it might be, right? Go ahead and capitalize on all the work they've already done. Yes. Yeah, books are super handy. So definitely with the books, and then, of course, come the boundaries after the books, which Mm -hmm. is this was a big conversation with mom and dad, and it's the same way it should be for your friends. Now that you know this, it's not your job to go telling your friends about what sex is or where babies come from. That's a big conversation they should have with their mom and dad. Or the boundary around porn. Pictures and videos of this exist. They're still not for kids, right? Mm-hmm. Now that you know what it is, you know what those might be. Should you ever run across them, I want you to push them away from you. Mm-hmm. If there's ever an adult or an older child who makes a mistake and wants to be sexual with a child, right? That's not for kids. You now know what that's about. You now know that's not for you. Mm-hmm. Push it away. Say no. Come tell me, right? So we can start to have those conversations about the what ifs. And those right. are very protective. Yeah, those are great. That's awesome. So we have a free gift for everybody. Top 10 conversations to have with your kids about sex and relationships. Do you want to tell everybody a little bit about it? Oh, sure. This was the thing that I got asked for the most. And so, of course, I had to just go ahead and create it. People say, you know, what are the age appropriate conversations? What should I be talking about and when? And so here I am saying five is your ideal age, eight's your deadline, right? That's just one of the conversations. There's Mm -hmm. many more that we need to have. And so where do those fit in? Like, give me a timeline. Let Mm -hmm. me, let me use your checklist to Mm -hmm. see where I'm at with my kids. I've got a 10 year old. I've got a 13 year old. Let me see what I have left to do Mm -hmm. um, or what I skipped over or what I've done well. 
you know? Yes. So some people will go ahead and sign up and get that little PDF and they'll be like patting themselves on the back. I've done a great job. And other people will be like, oh my goodness, I have much to do, you Mm -hmm. know, either way, you know, it's totally fine. So it's just a free little download that you can get when you click on the link. I assume you'll have the link in the show notes. Yes, I will. I will. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. yeah, just, just give me an email address to send it to and it's yours. Absolutely. Definitely. And you can go to holisticsexedradio.com and click on the previous episodes link and we'll have Anya's free gift right in the show notes for you. So thank you so much, Anya. I really appreciate you spending time with us today. It's been a really great conversation. I always enjoy talking with you. We have a lot in common. So thanks for taking time today. Always fun. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much. And I want to thank everybody for listening today and join us next week. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Holistic Sex Ed Radio. Thank you for spending some of your precious time with us today. While these conversations may be difficult at times, the rewards are well worth it. We have the power to change the world by what we teach our kids. Join host Robin LaCrosse next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another thought-provoking conversation. Thank you and have a beautiful day.